This is Father Patrick Briscoe. And this is Father Bonaventure Chapman. Welcome to Godsplaining. Thanks to all who support us. If you like the show, please consider making a donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to Godsplaining wherever you listen to our podcasts. I'm here with Father Bonaventure today, of course, and we are very excited to do this episode about the Barbie movie. It changed both of our lives, and we can't wait to tell you how. But before we get to the episode, I have a great announcement from the St. Paul Center, which I'm excited to share. So founded by Dr. Scott Hahn, the St. Paul Center is a Steubenville-based apostolate that provides all kinds of ongoing formation to Catholics. They have a number of great projects, um, and the St. Paul Center is specifically dedicated to helping Catholics come to know and love the scriptures. Um, This Lent, the St. Paul Center wants to help you make the most of this holy season by offering you the opportunity to take advantage of all the digital content produced by the St. Paul Center completely for free. So this is a great offer. Beginning on Ash Wednesday, the St. Paul Center will be launching Exodus and Exile, its first ever Lenten challenge. You'll have the opportunity to walk alongside Dr. John Bergsma in the 40-day Exodus Challenge, in which Dr. Bergsma will reflect on one chapter of Exodus each day and provide you with a daily challenge to grow deeper in your prayer, fasting, and almsgiving devotions this Lent. You'll also have the chance to hear Dr. Scott Hahn present a series of talks based on his new book, Catholics in Exile, written for every Catholic who might feel alienated from the culture and even from the church and is seeking a productive response to what they're feeling. So again, friends, this is a great invitation to join the Exodus and Exile Challenge, especially if you're looking for how you're going to grow this Lent. You can visit stpaulcenter.com slash Lent. That's stpaulcenter.com slash Lent. And receive free access to every piece of digital content produced by the St. Paul Center, including the recently launched Emmaus Academy, which is a digital learning platform which features over 20 classes taught by world-class theologians. So that's a great a great platform there. Um, make the most of your Lent this year and don't miss the opportunity to begin your Lenten journey with the St. Paul Center. I feel like you should plug uh, OSV's Lenten. You're going to do a Lenten companion, I assume, right? <laughs> yeah, so. Of oh, course, fantastic. Sure, That's yeah. great too. Yeah, mm. don't don't miss out on there. You, you choose, we choose all. Right? We do. We absolutely do. Uh, so thanks to the St. Paul Center uh, for partnering with God's planning for some of these, uh, some of these great, um, some of these great opportunities. And, and we, we really are excited to share them with you, and we, we think they're fantastic. Um, it is difficult, though, to transition from Lent content to the Barbie movie. It's true. But we will manage it by discussing Attempted. times when we wore pink. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. As men, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you should, if you're comfortable in your masculinity, you know, a nice, I mean, maybe not a hot pink, but a, a pink color. I mean, this is what Gaudete and Leitare Sunday are about, I suppose. Right? I, in high school, I had a, a good friend of mine, a, that played football was was easily one of the manliest guys I know uh, who showed up to my house one day. We were going out someplace and had a pink polo shirt on. Yes, and, classic. Uh, and I made fun of him for it, being weak and sniveling as I am. Yeah, and, and he beat looked, you to a pulp. Exactly, and he looked at me and he said, it's not pink, it's manly mauve. Manly mauve, I've, yes, that's good, yes. Uh, my, the chairman of our physics department in, in college was a big guy, Dr. Shane Brower, and uh, Hunter, you know, Backwoodsmen. His other brothers, his brothers were named Dane and Zane, and they were lumberjacks. And he was a physics professor. Uh, so a fascinating, wonderful man. But uh, he wore he he had no shame about wearing pink. He was he was, yeah, he was he was he was strong and large and massive uh, and good at optics. Yeah, really good at optics. Yeah. 
Now, uh, it might be a surprise that there would be a God's Planning episode on the Barbie movie, considering that Oppenheimer seems more on brand for God's Planning uh, in the Barbenheimer in the yeah. Barbenheimer phenomenon. So, if we if we could have gone one way, that might that might have been the way that viewers anticipated us going. Um, but Father Bonaventure, do you want to talk us through just why why does the Barbie movie matter? Uh, what did you think of it? Give us some kind of an initial response. Yeah, here. well, I don't know. Good question. Um, I mean, one, it's just topical. Uh, I thought, and there's something about the Barbie movie. I think this, well, this summer, both those movies. Uh, it took us a while after COVID to get back to, I think, good cinema, you could say. And most cinema that's been at all shown in theaters, the summers especially, are like Marvel movies. And it's kind of, I think everyone's getting tired of the same old, same old mm. uh mech warrior bash up or something light you know, laser rays or, or like you know god rays at the end of something just bizarre things and this summer bill produced i mean three you know indiana jones nostalgic kind of fest but then these two oppenheimer chris nolan was taken on a biopic um which is you know, nolan's spectacular and then barbie which is this weird totally different who would have thought this would have worked um as a movie uh but something just delightful about a summer. Summer allows you to do things you wouldn't otherwise wouldn't be able to do. And this was a cultural kind of phenomenon. I mean, I remember I was, I was, I saw it in Oregon. I was with my, uh, with my aunt and uncle. I was visiting some family out there and my aunt, um, uh, was, was interested in seeing it. Um, uh, and, and, and I, she's, I was flying out the next day at 4am or something. And it was like not, the showing was at 8 or 9pm. And she said, well, do you want to go? Uh, do you want to go to this? Because I thought, well, it'd be good for for class use uh, this this coming semester. To talk to the kids. To talk to the kids about <laughs> for all sorts of reasons. And so she said, well, do you want to go? It'd be a, this would be the only time we could do it. And so I said, well, that's going to be four hours. I was just like, yes, I will do it. Um, and it was this bizarre experience of, I mean, everyone was wearing pink there. Uh, there was this, there was shouting, there was excitement. It was a weird, it was a bit like when the Star Wars movies were re-released, mm. uh, when I was, when I was a, a wee lad. Um, and, and those were the kind of a similar thing. People were dressed up, uh, that sort of stuff. So it was, it was a, it was just a, a, a moment. Uh, and then the movie itself was, I mean, there's lots to talk about with, with it, but there was a, a yeah, it was a delightful experience, you could say. You saw it in a different context, I think. Well, yeah, absolutely. I was very yeah. interested in in the commentary surrounding the movie. Mm -hmm. That was what caught my attention. I mean, Greta Gerwig's a good... Uh, I would say that she's a talented filmmaker. Yeah, that's right. I enjoyed Lady Bird a, a great deal. I thought it was a fabulous coming-of-age story. Mm -hmm. um, so so I've, you know, I've been interested in things that she's done. Uh, but when you, have, when you have the kind of commentary coming out around Barbie, uh, I, yeah. I, just, I just couldn't resist it, right? So you've got, like, Crystal Ball saying... The movie was not funny or entertaining or family friendly. No star actor or immaculate set design was going to rescue this mess. It's way too preachy to be enjoyable or even be effective as propaganda. Yeah. It's like AI wrote a screenplay based on 2010's white feminism. You know, the uh, radicalism level was firmly set on safe. Uh, so, so I, so I loved Crystal yeah. Ball's commentary, and then, and then I went right yeah, from Crystal fair. Ball to Ben Shapiro. Yeah, you know, who who said a bunch of things that we can't say on God's planning. Yes, uh, because we don't have his fancy bleep button. But Ben Shapiro hated it as much as Crystal Ball. Uh, yeah, and th these are not people that agree on much. You know, so Shapiro said it's one of the worst films I've ever seen on every possible level. It is a horrific movie. He said it's God full of many films. <laughs> it said it's full of writing by idiots who think they're smart. Uh, you know, so you see you have this skewering 
of the Barbie movie yeah. by both Ben Shapiro and Crystal Ball. Um, I mean, Bill Bill Maher weighed in on it too. Oh. He 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 also destroyed it in a Twitter in a Twitter feed, and then you know, of course, Armin White, the movie critic over at National Review, also yes. hated it. Yeah, it is, so you just kind of got back back and forth, left to right. Yeah. All all of these people dumping on the Barbie movie, and that's what that's what caught my attention about sure. it. I thought, how could all of these people? really hate this thing well, mm-hmm. what what are they all so angry about yes so i had to see it yes yeah and i it... yeah when we first talked about it i i was i was surprised because I, I i enjoyed it um but you were quite confident about it you said it's decidedly good i liked it yeah, yeah um well i thought one the aesthetics i mean the aesthetics were quite brilliant all out the little details yeah. about this the I mean, just the the visuals uh the colors and I'm not exactly a man to normally be weighing in on colors and things like this, but but pink and black are in my wheelhouse. I can see those without a problem. Greens are very minimal in this sort of thing. So uh, that so that was so the aesthetics are beautiful. I thought the acting was uh, was was quite delightful. Uh, Ryan Gosling is he's one of those people. When I first saw him as an actor, I thought you know what, not interested. Um, but each time I see him in a movie now, every time he goes, he gets better and better to me. So it's one of those weird things where you get a second. I guess it's like Leonardo DiCaprio, right? He did Titanic, and I thought never watching you again. Um, but Ryan Gosling just gets second chances, and he gets better and better. Uh, I think he's fantastic. And uh, Margot Robbie, of course, uh, delightful. I thought the, all the little side characters, the Alan, you know. I thought also the even though let's put it this way for a man. I mean, I didn't grow up playing with Barbie. Some men maybe did, but I didn't. Um, my sister really didn't play with Barbie. You might've had Barbies around a little. We more. had lots of them. Yeah. So I couldn't. So a lot of it went over my head in a way, or at least I wasn't, it was geared towards people who experienced Barbie and played with Barbie. Uh, and I missed those. So it was nice to have my aunt was there. And so she explained to me, Oh yeah, this is, yeah, this is a classic Barbie problem. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. You can change the clothing and all this kind of thing. And, the Ken figure and all that, like the, that was a world and entered. So one of the nice parts about it was also that it, it was pitched to a different audience. Like it was clearly pitched to women of a certain generation, but also to, to other, other women, uh, and also to the wider public, but it had a center of focus in a way that, that is different from other movies. And this is true for like, say black Panther. I had the similar experience that you mm. were, I was, it's very rare that I go to a movie where I'm not, the main person it's being pitched to, you know, in a middle, you know, middle age or, you know, youngerish American, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, male. So this this was like the, I imagine the experience of being a Barbie is a bit like experience of being at a at a in a Marvel movie for for most women. Um, it's just like <laughs> it's not really for me, so I pick right. up on the side points. But actually, I just I that might they might get nothing out of it. Whereas I I thought it was a delightful social commentary. There was a little preaching. I wasn't as offended as some. I mean, I guess if you're willing to be offended by any time feminism appears, uh, then you can get offended. Right. But I wonder if that's just being too offended and, we're, yeah. and thinking that we live in a different world than we live in. It's a good point to ask who is this movie for because it's certainly mm. not a kids movie. You know, it's rated PG thirteen. Yeah. And there, there, there's, there's, no sex, there's some humor that yeah. that you know I, I certainly didn't enjoy. Um, you know, so some of the Ken jokes uh, in particular, um, and we could talk about the ending because I, I think that's important important to get to. But um, so so it's not a it's not a kids movie. There's there's some untoward and adult humor in it, um, but I think with that in mind, you have to you have to recognize that it's trying to say it's trying to say it's trying to say something, mm-hmm. um, and and I agree, not being 
not being a woman in the theater, it was a uh, it was an interesting experience to uh, to look at the film and to say, okay, what is what is actually what is actually going on here, and what is what is trying to be said, and what are people experiencing through it? Well, and I thought also it reminded me of a movie uh, John Travolta did a long time ago, maybe the '90s or something. There's an actor who just can't get himself out of out of his own way, uh, <laughs> but if you like John Travolta, sorry, uh, I'm I'm willing. I'm always willing to watch him. But uh, there was a movie called I think it was called White Man's Burden or something, and it was the re- it was a reverse. So it was it was written uh, where you, it was in a society or in a in a city where where whites tended to be the more impoverished, mm-hmm. and so it was dealing with these. And so he was playing a kind of impoverished guy who would who had held up a family, a, a well-to-do black family. And so it, it got at the race issues and the kind of relations of poverty and, and crime from the racial perspective, but you were, it was flipped in a way so that you, you identified with, as a white person, you identified more with, with Travolta and the poor. And so it kind of forced in a, uh, not in a, in a, in a horrible or hackneyed way, uh, the shifting of your perspective lenses, you know, your kind of just view of things. And I felt like Barbie was, Part of what it was doing is trying to aim at this for realization that uh, putting with Ken and the Kens there as what many women perceive of their experience of uh, the patriarchy or the male culture or blah. So, but it allowed it allowed a man to get into that and to kind of see that from a perspective, their perspective in a way that didn't feel it didn't feel uncomfortable to me. It wasn't like I knew immediately. Well, I felt like it was a sledgehammer hitting me over the head about how, yeah, see, you know, women are just for for looks and all this, and Barbie is just a, a continuation of male power into our society, and so we need to real force you to realize this. I thought it it did it in a kind of playful, gentle way of just making me think. Oh yeah, I wonder. You know, it is it is different being a woman in a, in the American society, in the Western society in general. And I don't take that, what, what you do with that is, you know, the outcome of that is different. But I don't take that to immediately into account. And I think with, especially to turn this into JP2 conversation, the complementarity between men and women, it's good to realize that there are different perceptions of them. And what you do with that will be very different, whether you're a radical feminist or, or a, a JP2 Catholic. But to realize that they are different, that men and women are different and perceived differently, that's helpful. And I thought that that kind of flip of perspective uh, was generous and gentle enough that it allowed a man to kind of experiment with thinking about just what it means to be a woman and always be looked at in a particular way. Yeah, that was one of one of the aspects of the film that I really appreciated. Actually, was mm-hmm. a, it was a, a refreshing assertion of of the binary nature of uh, sexual complementarity, uh, and I thought, wow, this is this is amazing that they pulled this off. Um, yeah, you know, there is, yeah. there is a, there is a, there is a trans actor, the, uh, the, the doctor Barbie is, uh, is, is transgender, but you, you don't, you don't even notice. The film. You, you would really, not know. I was really shocked. That was there was not as much ex- over the top. Explained explicit. to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it was, it, it, it's pretty, it's pretty subtle in that way. And I think it's kind of, it, it's interesting that it's really getting at, um, it's really getting at the question of what, what it means to be a woman. Right. So I mm-hmm. think it's worth reading the, the long quote that, you know, that Gloria's famous speech played by oh, America yeah, this Ferreira. Is, um, could, because I think this is this is germane to what you're to raising. set this up though, right? This is the so so this this is the kind of speech, um, and this was a weird. I was so I was in the theater at the moment, and uh, when she gives the speech, so uh, there's been this role reversal. So Ken has discovered the power of horses and the patriarchy when he's going to the real world, and he comes back, which I absolutely oh, love horses. Like like the the horse thing 
that that horse was the image they chose to be the patriarchy, like the cowboy horse yeah. thing. When when Mount Rushmore is changed to be the horses, yeah, horses, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that horses is... are extensions of men. Um, it's just fantastic. <laughs> it's yeah, exactly. I'm mean, no, no. The whole thing is is brilliant. It's just very, it's very subtle and brilliant. Um, but so the so the Ken's, Ken has taken over uh, again. The patriarch's been reasserted, and so Barbies are back to being Barbies and not ruling Barbie world, but rather you know acting like I don't know women perceive themselves to be acted in this world. Bracket that. Um, and so they have to be saved by a message. It's kind of has a gospel, evangelical kind of feel to it. And Gloria, one of the the woman from the real world who has been oppressed, blah blah blah, comes to the comes to Barbie world and gives this kind of ah uh, speech, expressing her frustrations. And hearing these words uh, brings Barbies out of their patriarchal horse domination, Slumber, and they get back yeah. to yeah, they're they're woken up again uh, to to who they're supposed to be, which is in you know control and this sort of thing. Um, so this, but this, yeah, this is the speech and uh, it was and in, in the, in the theater, it was interesting just being around, uh, when the speech happened, which I thought we'll get the women around, there was this kind of knowing nod. It was fascinating just as a phenomenon like they, and I realized, yeah, there must be something about this, um, that gets people to kind of, you, if you were younger, you'd click, you know, click snap fingers or something, but this was a knowing realization or an acceptance like finally someone can say this so but here's the speech okay so here's the speech it is literally impossible to be a woman you are so beautiful and so smart and it kills me that you don't think you're good enough like we always have to be extraordinary but somehow we're always doing it wrong we have to be thin but not too thin you could say you want to be thin you have to say you want to be healthy but also you have to be thin (laughs) you have to have money but you can't ask for money because that's crass you have to be a boss but you can't be mean You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman, but also always be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane, but if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be part of the sisterhood. But always stand out and always be grateful. But never forget that the system is rigged, so find a way to acknowledge that, but also be grateful. You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard, it's too contradictory, and nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. And it turns out that in fact, not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself into knots so that people will like us. And if all of that is also true for a doll just representing a woman, then I don't even know. Mm-hmm. So, so part of the thing that that I that I think is so compelling about this speech is the tension between how people um, live when they when they want to really express themselves genuinely, and how they how they live when they want to be engaging in society. Okay, so this this is what I was this is what I was thinking about in the speech. Um, because again, not not being a woman, it, it resonates with me differently. But I but I do think that there are so many ways uh, that we self censor today, especially mm-hmm. as Christians, right? Um, when we want to interact with society, and there are all kinds of expectations that are put on us um, in order to be part of the public conversation, to participate in civic life, uh, to uh, to get along, even with members of our family, right? So there there are all kinds of ways that we're 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 trying to avoid expressing what we really think in order in order to uh, in order to just make good on mm-hmm. 
on the uh, on the, the kind of the kind of goods of, of public friendship, right? And, and so so I was thinking of that in 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 this tension, which is obviously specific um, to, to women and the way women mm-hmm. feel. You know, it's very very particular to them. Um, and and I'm not certainly not taking that away f- from this, but but I but I do think that there's there's something there's a, there's a larger there's a larger tension that's that's getting along uh, that this is getting at you know the kind of expectations of society mm. and the and the the contrast that you feel when you're when you're really being yourself and expressing uh, in a kind of uncensored or unfiltered way what you really think mm. yeah that's so I'm a big fan of Irvin Guffman uh, social dramaturgy he produced a, a book he's a sociologist American sociologist in the 20th century. Um, and he produced a book, a number of books, but one of his was the presentation, presentation of self in everyday life. And he talks about front stage, backstage kind of things, and the the looking at how we we engage as actors uses the drama dramaturgy, he calls it social dramaturgy, the the liturgy of drama that we interact with each other through. He goes to a bunch of islands and looks at does standard socio- sociological thing and looks at different societies and how they present themselves, and then looks at that in our own kind of society uh, as as we're always actors, uh, or we can be, we often be actors and we step into roles, there's a sort of passivity uh, that you have in society. You think and we'd be more dynamic and it's individualism and enlightenment and we're in control and we get to decide and we're free and all this. But he says actually, no, uh, largely in society, you're playing roles and you step into those roles. And when people make mistakes, it's usually mistakes because they've stepped out of their role. Mm. Not so much that they've made a mistake per se, but they've made a mistake by f- not following their own script of the way they present themselves. And they actually may be more like themselves in that moment of, of stepping away from the script and improvise. And you could say, but society is set up to encode. Now you could take this too far, but I, I've always thought that that was an important insight of in our social interactions that we do have roles we play and how frequently we let those dictate uh, what our actions ought to be. And in many ways, of course, if you're a father or a mother or a child or a daughter or a son, you do have roles. Like there are stations and man's duties and all this sort of stuff. If you're an employer, if you're an employer, that kind of thing, there are different roles to play. But you can make those roles uh, as your identity, and that does structure how you react with, interact with each other. And I think then if that's too much so that you're just role acting and play acting all the time, the tensions, the psychological tensions build up and we demand uh, to be known for ourselves. And I think Christ has this sense of freeing us from playing roles with him. And we oftentimes go to play, try to play roles with him and he wants to break through that so that then we can actually play roles, remove a little bit playing roles with each other. So that's just like a Irvin Goff, Goffman mm. kind of mm. move quickly from sociology to theological prayer and, and relationship there. But all in the sense of Barbie. Fair enough. So another another interpretation I had, uh, you know, so I was thinking about this tension again of, of uh, who, who we are and how we present ourselves, right? The expectations of society. Another interpretation I had was uh, I, I I thought I was thinking of Barbie and Barbie Land uh, through the rubrics of the cave. Oh sure. Um, yeah, which, Plato's which cave. I th- yeah, you know, is, is kind of obvious, right? And this is an especially profound interpretation. But um, there's a world that Barbie thinks is real. Mm-hmm. Barbie land is what Barbie knows. Yes. Uh, and then she travels out of Barbie land and experiences things as they actually are for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's extremely difficult for her to get her head around how things, how things really are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so, uh, so I, uh, I wonder what you made of that. Yeah, that's, if you think it's fair to 
look at this as a kind of exploration of the of Plato's. No, I use of the cave. this is one of the reasons why I wanted to see this movie because it, I'm te- I was teaching Plato's cave, and the allegory of the cave, and Platonism this semester to, to my freshmen and my juniors. Uh, and seniors in my classes. And this was a clear case, a nice version of, of course, the, the fundamental founding myth of Western philosophy, which is there's a there's appearances and there's the and there's reality. And we have to relate those. Barb uh, Oppenheimer's the same way. Mm. Just it turns out it's it's there's stuff going around, but then the physics, the actual equations are what the real world is. That's just science. Platonism <laughs> is just science. Um, but the Barbie one's particularly interesting because uh, Barbie world, in a sense, is the is the uh, the world of the cave, the appearances, not the real world. Uh, that's the outside the real world. You leave that, you leave the cave, and go there. But of course, in Plato's analogy, like leaving the cave is going to a better place. It's going to the place of the forms, the place of the true and the good and the beautiful. Whereas the cave is is this appearances, which you didn't know were bad, but actually are bad. Interesting in Barbie, of course, it's the other way around. It's kind of an Augustinian. Uh, view, I suppose. Um, you're leaving the realm of appearances, the, the, which is actually kind of the good world, mm. um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to the horrible. The real world is actually like the bad world. It's the world of of male power and and this sort of thing. So it's a it's a sort of inverted cave, or at least it, it creates it has some new tensions and new parts to play for that. But I think it is it is fundamentally the Western philosophical idea of. Um, what I see is not what I get, that there's something that's really behind this. I can't really explain how it, Barbie doesn't, Barbie world does not explain, or the movie doesn't explain how the real world does interact. I mean, you kind of, you draw Barbie in the real world, and that kind of does things to Barbie in the in the fake world. She's kind of a puppet, but we don't get exactly the mechanisms. That's okay. We don't know the mechanisms of how anything really works in this world anyway. <laughs> I mean, just, you keep going further in quantum mechanics and stuff gets crazy. So, but that, that dualism, the fundamental dualism, I think, is is an important aspect of, of of Western philosophy, and Barbie just picks up on that, and of Christian philosophy too, I suppose. I mean, we believe in in the 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 real world here, but we believe in the heavens and God as being the true kind of peace in all of this. So it's the the Christian story is the other way around again. That the other world that you go to, you leave this world in a sense, or you're not dragged down by this world, as Augustine would say, the senses and the and sinfulness, to the perfect world, uh, the world of divine uh, blessedness, where the world of the saints, yeah, Dante's comedy brings this up as well. So I think Barbie has this, it's a beautiful reminder of that appearances reality distinction, and adds just that kind of twist to it, where of course things in the real world are screwed up too. Mm-hmm. So it's a reminder that actually the Barbie world are both world of appearances and she gets, they get this uh, right. because they go back right. to the Barbie world and try to fix it a bit and make it, it's not the perfect world. It's not like, and she doesn't, spoiler alert, are we doing this? Yes. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. she decides to go, to go and enter the real world. Um, so she wants to leave. Whereas of course for Plato, the job of the philosopher is you have to keep going back and to fix the other, the world. But she goes and goes and enters the real world to be like who she actually wants to be, to be a real to be a real human. Uh, so that's, again, it's, it's got the fundamental myth of the cave, but it plays around with some parts to it that I, I think make, make it interesting. Yeah, so, uh, so, I, so I, do want, I do want to close at the end, but, be, but, but mm. before we get to that, I, I want to introduce one last idea, which is that, uh, again, so we, so we mentioned the binary and how that, that was refreshing. There are clear ideas of maleness and femaleness mm-hmm. in this film, yeah. and all of those should be praised. <laughs> Yeah. I was grateful for them. I found them very refreshing. 
Um, but but one of the ideas that I that I liked uh, as I continued thinking about it is that there ought to be there ought to be the film is suggesting that there ought to be spaces that are for women and spaces that are for men, mm-hmm. and I like that idea too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I actually yes. I actually like the idea. Uh, you know, if we separate it out from from what what is ideal and, and what is not, if we if we abstract it from that, I like the idea that there is a space that is that is for women. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and we experience this in the church. Um, when you're a priest chaplain and you're visiting a women's religious community, you are entering the the space that is that is for women, mm-hmm. um, and it's very clear. It couldn't be clear because the convent is clean, for example, mm-hmm. and it smells nice, and it's yeah. it's not the friary. You know, there are not friars there. It's not a yes. friary. Um, so, so I, so I think that there, that this is something that the church understands, um, that is being lost in society that we need to find ways to, to protect, you know, mm-hmm. we, we see this in the importance of men's and women's sports. Um, but, but that there are, that there are spaces that are for, that are for women that are very different from the spaces that are for men, uh, is an important thing. And I saw the film playing around with that idea in a, in a way that I thought was compelling. Yeah, that's a good point. We do, I mean, part of the bad part of feminism, I suppose, uh, is that it instead of making women equal, at least it hasn't done that yet, as far as I can tell, and may, or maybe women would say, it just neutralized uh, all all genders and the discourse and the differences between them, such that it didn't respect the the gender difference, uh, which I think was of course a goal of it. Um, but women weren't allowed to be women. Actually, they were just kind of I think had to act in a man's world and act like men. And so, in a sense, this speech that Gloria gives in the movie is I think reflective of not a further development of feminism, but a reflection on a bad version of feminism that says we we were sold false, a false bill of goods. We had to be both attention. We had to be both men and professionals right. and right. women. Right. So I think that's that's salubrious that feminism is, is realizing that actually we need to hold we need to hold to being women qua women. Um, and we need to have and we want men to respect us as as women and not as as something else. Yeah, that's right. The Mattel CEO, right? He says, we sell dreams, imagination, and sparkle. And when you think of sparkle, what do you think of next? Female agency. It's an, it's an interesting line um, because, I, again, I think it gets at what, mm-hmm. what you're suggesting, that, that women were, were not taught, actually, or, or feminism did not design something that was authentically for women, mm-hmm. uh, but instead just made women men. Yeah. Uh, and in a way that was... And, they, and, and made inter- them un- unfairly play. Untru- yeah, exactly. Yeah, in a game that they, yeah. that they ought not to play in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so by way of conclusion, what did you think about the ending? Because the the ending is a little bit controversial, right? Barbie decides that she wants to go to the real world, and she shows up. And where is that she Where is it that she arrives? She's going to see a doctor, and it's a gynecologist. Yeah. What I did you make of that? I don't. I mean, I thought embracing womanhood, uh, embracing like that. This is part of being a woman. You might think that like her not having to deal with with the with these sort of issues. Um, would make her allow her to be more a woman because she'd be able to be interacting in society uh, without the the difficulties of the biological life and the aspect of being a woman, which I know nothing about, but I suspect her significant. Um, but instead, she no actually getting to like to be a woman means to in, to embrace fully all the components that make one a woman, both uh, in 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 nature and in psych and psyche. So I thought that was. Yeah, that was, I mean, you could take it in a playful sense, of course, or you could take it, we could run a deep natural law kind of reading of this thing in a hijacked movie for for that. Like, she really understood the actual nature of, of male and female, have these all the way down, sexual organisms, and all that kind of stuff. Um, either way is fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, I think there are some people that would have responded, that, that are responding to it, you know, and disliking it. They say, well, it's kind of a crude thing. But but I, I, I appreciated that it, 
that it was making a point about embodiment and uh, and and uh, and that f- that femaleness is not just a concept, yeah. Um, but it's 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 written in us physically. And there's uh, a natural law argument. Uh, yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so that was fine. that was the that was, that was the argument that I that 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 yeah. I wanted to make uh, in my in my defense of the ending because it's not it's not possible to abstract femaleness from a female body. Uh, yeah. It's, it's entering, by entering the world. You only get world, to be a female. In yeah, a by, female body. yeah, by the entering thing, by the by entering the real world, the first thing she has to do in the real world is not get a job, not get whatever, but to like show up to that gynecologist and get her get to be an actual woman. And so, I mean, I'd be surprised. I'm, I don't know. I haven't read the commentary, but I'd be shocked if people didn't think that was like a, a, a failure of the movie to respect um, transgender and that kind of stuff. So there's, it's a there's super conservative that essay over the New York Times. Great, by a trans- yeah, because it's a super conservative critic. movie. Apparently, who knew? <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, as we as we wrap up for the Bonaventure, any any last uh, comments on the Barbie movie? I think it's helpful to remind ourselves that movies are are movies, and they're produced by the cultures that they're in. And so sometimes we demand uh, the the we demand perfect from society that's not going to give us anything close to that. So don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Uh, we can take all these things, and especially even Barbie movies, and have a way in to talk to people uh, without worrying about totally sidelining them because they're not they're not perfect or they have some you know they're not not exactly uh, kosher with Catholic faith or what have you. I thought you know life's mysterious don't take it so serious let this one let this one go and take the good with it and see if and it has plenty of opportunities for discussion of real feminism and male and females male and female relations and just society in general yeah i think that i think the light-hearted critique of mattel the the whole consumerist um principle behind all, all the different barbies um i i thought that the the binary nature of embodiment and and personhood um questions about about friendship and identity i I think they're all there i think they're in the film and i think they're worth talking about as we try to do on the episode and good you know just gentle reminder to men that maybe you do see women as kind of just barbie doll at least gives you a moment Hmm. all of us as men to go huh i wonder you know what we need for our god's planning set a horse we yeah that's true <laughs> we need horses yes i should have yeah <laughs> fantastic well thanks everyone for tuning in for this episode of god's planning follow us on facebook twitter and instagram like subscribe and leave us a five-star review we're also on tiktok if you do that if you'd like to donate to the podcast through patreon follow the link in the description you can also follow links in our show notes to shop god's planning merch and to get information on upcoming god's planning events as always Friends know that we're praying for you, and we ask for your prayers for us in our work. God bless.